Our Bible reading this evening is found in the Old Testament Scriptures, and it's the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers and the chapter 23. Numbers and the chapter 23, and we're going to read here from the first verse. And so let us come to God's Word, and let us hear God's Word together. Numbers 23 and the verse 1. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken, and Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. And Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by thy burnt offering, and I will go. Peradventure the Lord will come to meet me, and whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell thee. And he went to an high place. And God met Balaam, and he said unto him, I have prepared seven altars, and I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return on to Balak, and thus thou shalt speak. And he returned on to him, and lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his parable and said, Balak the king of Moab, hath brought me from Aram out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, and come, defy Israel. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my last end be like his. Amen. We land there at verse 10. And may the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. Let us look together in God's word to the portion of Scripture that we have read together. That was from the book of Numbers and the chapter 23. The book of Numbers, the chapter 23. And I would want to draw your attention to words that are found in the final verse that we read together. The words of verse 10. Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. In that second half of the verse, it says, Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be be like his. And tonight in the gospel we consider the death of the righteous. 
But let us just unite together in a word of prayer and ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his precious word. Our gracious God and our loving Father, we thank thee tonight for the privilege of being here and even for having a copy of thy precious word in our own language. We can read it together, we can meditate upon thy word. And O oh Lord, I ask thee for grace and for help to minister and to preach thy word tonight. And we preach it, our Father, claiming the promise that thy word shall not return unto thee void, but it shall accomplish that which thou dost please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto thou hast sent it. Send forth thy word in the power of God the Holy Spirit, and give us grace to glorify and to magnify the name of our Saviour. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. The words of our text this evening were uttered by a man by the name of Balaam. And his name is an interesting one. The name Balaam is actually made up of two words. The first part of his name, the first word, it means to swallow or to devour. And the second word that makes up the second part of his name that simply means people. And so when you put those two words together into the name Balaam, you have a name that means a devourer of people. And we find that the people here referred to are God's people. And Balaam became that devourer of God's people. Now, he is a complex character if you were to do a study on the life of Balaam. But the New Testament scriptures throw a little light onto this particular character. And they give to us something of an interpretation, yea, even an explanation about this particular character. Because in the New Testament, Balaam is mentioned on three occasions. The first occasion is by the Apostle Peter, and it's in Second Peter, the chapter 2. And the context of that particular chapter, Peter is warning about false teachers. And as he's warning about false teachers, he speaks to God's people, and he uses the example of Balaam. And if you were looking in 2 Peter chapter 2 and the verse 14, verse 14 is describing these false teachers. And it says, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam. There's that mention. Following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. 
And so Peter, when he's referring to the false teachers and he's wanting to give out that warning, he speaks about those who have gone the way of Balaam. And then the second mention of Balaam in the New Testament is in that little epistle of Jude, just the one chapter. But there in the verse 11, he makes reference to Balaam. And he says, woe unto them. Again, he's referring to those who have apostatized and those who have gone out of the way. And he says, woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and have ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. And so when you think of what Peter has to say and what Jude has to say concerning Balaam, Suggesting here that there was this desire for personal gain. They have ran greedily after the error of Balaam. The way of Balaam. The error of Balaam. Then that third reference is just over another page or so in the New Testament to the final book in the Bible. The book of the Revelation and the chapter 2. And there, as the Lord writes to the seven churches of Asia, he's writing here in chapter 2 and the verse 14 to the church in Pergamos. And the Lord says, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. And you get an idea of what Balaam there in the Old Testament was up to. Through the doctrine of Balaam, they were putting a stumbling block before God's people and wanting to deceive and to seduce and to lure God's people away into sinful practices. And Balaam was very successful at that. Therefore, he became, living up to his name, a devourer of people. He was swallowing up the people of God, as it were. And so there is much by way of wickedness that is associated with this man, and yet we say he is a complex character. It's difficult to get to the bottom of Balaam because he did possess a knowledge of the truth. The Lord put his word into the mouth of Balaam. Balaam also had an understanding of righteousness, and our text of Scripture would bear that out. Our text of Scripture also shows us that he had a belief in a future state for the soul. And maybe it was these things that actually caused Balaam to utter the words of her text, let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. And with this statement from the lips of Balaam, I want to consider a number of things from the text this evening. Firstly, the reality in this text. Balaam said, let me die the death of the righteous. Here was a man who was acknowledging death as a reality. Here was a man who knew that he was mortal. 
Here was a man who knew that one day his death day would come. And he is accepting of that fact that one day he was going to die. And that's a solemn reality. One of these days for us, the Lord tarries. We're going to die. And it seems that Balaam, while he had a show of the in the flesh and he had a show of religion the new testament seems to make it clear to us that he had gone the wrong way it was an erroneous way it was a perverse way and yet he did for this moment in her text he did consider his own mortality and he faced up to the reality of death let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his when he was facing up to that reality of death death of course has come as a result of sin sin entering into the world brought death and the apostle Paul in the New Testament as he wrote to the Romans he explains that to them And in Romans 5 and the verse 12, he's referring back there to the Garden of Eden and to the sin of Adam. And he says, for as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Death entered because of sin. Death passed upon all men because all have sinned. And Paul went on in Romans chapter 6 to explain that the wages of sin is death. That's the consequence of sin. Therefore, there's a reality that we would all have to face up to this evening. That's the reality of our death. As Paul spoke to the Hebrews in chapter 9 and the verse 27, he said, It is appointed. It is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. And here is the great reality that cannot be avoided. And we would have to admit this evening that the evidence of death and the reality of death, it's all around us. We're reminded constantly of our own mortality. That in the midst of life, we're in death. Many used to read the newspaper columns, the death columns. Maybe today in this modern age, it's more scrolling down funeral times. And we're reminded constantly there as we do that of the reality of death. And maybe you attend the funeral. Maybe you stand around the open grave. And we're confronted with the evidence and the reality of death. You've only to put on the radio or the television to hear the news. And in the past week, uh, there has been a murder locally. There have been those who have lost their lives upon the roads. The unavoidable reality of death. And there is but a step between us and death. And we perhaps try to block it out. And we don't want to think about it, but that's the reality that 
confronted Balaam, and that's the reality that confronts us. And Balaam was one here who, at least for this moment of time, he faced up to that reality, and he said, let me die the death of the righteous. The reality that's in this text of Scripture. But then I want you to notice, secondly, the request in this text of Scripture. He says, let me die the death of the righteous. While he knew that death was approaching and one day he would have to face death, he makes a request here. And he's making a request for a particular death. And he says, let me die the death of the righteous. This was a good desire. This was something that was an honorable request. This is something that when we read those words and we think about that request, it's, it's very commendable. Let me die the death of the righteous. That's a good desire to have. But our fear is that with Balaam, it was not sincere. It was not a sincere and earnest prayer that he was uttering from his heart. Otherwise, the Lord would have answered that prayer. For the Lord has promised, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so what we believe here in relation to Balaam, that this was something of a fanciful notion. This was just a fleeting thing for the moment where he said it. It just rolled off his lips, as it were. Let me die the death of the righteous. So many around us in the world today, and they would have that similar fanciful notion about going to heaven. They would have no notion about coming to hear the gospel. No sincerity in their heart about wanting to hear the way of salvation, but they entertain that desire within their heart that, oh, when I die, let me go to heaven. But it's not a serious consideration that comes out of a concern for how the soul stands before God. And that's the way Balaam uttered these words and made this request. He said, let me die the death of the righteous. He wanted the death of the righteous, but he didn't want the life of the righteous. Many times that's the case. He wanted heaven when he died, but he didn't want holiness while he lived. He wanted to be a saint in heaven, but he didn't want to be a saint on earth. Let me die the death of the righteous. Just think for a moment about those words in that request, the death of the righteous, because the question arises from that, well, how do the righteous die? Whenever you consider the scripture, such as Romans chapter 3, that says, there is none righteous. There is none righteous, no, not one. 
There's no righteousness of our own. There's nothing that we can do to attain that righteousness. In fact, in Isaiah 64 and in the verse 6, it's speaking about uh, us being unclean spiritually and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. There's none righteous. So how can we die the death of the righteous? That righteousness is found alone in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the righteous one. In Jesus Christ alone we find this perfect righteousness. And that righteousness is demonstrated to us in the Savior's coming into this world and how he lived that perfectly righteous life. And whenever we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, there's something of a transaction that takes place. And in that transaction, the Lord Jesus Christ takes upon himself our sin. And he gives to us his perfect righteousness. And he took upon our sin at Calvary. As Paul put it to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And there's how the sinner is able to obtain this righteousness. It's found in the Lord Jesus Christ and when he takes our sin in his own body there upon the tree. And he bears the consequences of our sin. When we accept Christ, he imputes to us his righteousness. He credits us with that righteousness. It's illustrated in God's word and in the hymn that we were singing as a robe. The way you would put on a robe There's the robe of Christ's righteousness. That's the garments of salvation. When we come to accept Christ, we're robed in his perfect righteousness. And therefore, when the believer comes to die, they die the death of the righteous. What is it to die the death of the righteous? We would suggest that the righteous die with God's pardon. Our sins are forgiven. Our sins are cleansed away in the Savior's precious blood. We have God's pardon in death. The righteous die with God's presence. The Psalm 23, David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me to know God's presence in death. That's the death of the righteous. Oh, to have God's pardon, to have God's presence, and the righteous die with God's peace. The Psalm 37 and the verse 37, it says, Behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. The upright, the end of that man is peace. I say, no wonder Balaam wanted to die the death of the righteous. 
Because the righteous die with God's pardon and with God's presence and with God's peace. There was a doctor who had visited many deathbeds. He had witnessed many going out into eternity. And he said to Charles Wesley, your people die well. Those old Methodists that had been born again of the Spirit of God and were living that holy and that righteous life, when it came to their death, even the doctor had to say they die well. Charles Wesley was able to explain the reason why they died well is because they knew the presence and the peace of God as they were going out into eternity. The death, the death of the righteous. Though we can see it tonight with the words of Balaam, the reality in this text and the request in this text, surely that's the death that you would want to have tonight, the death of the righteous. But finally, thirdly, we look at the reason in this text, the reason. Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. And in the end of verse 10, we have here something of the reason. Here's the reason why he faced the reality of death in the way that he did. Here's the reason he made the request to die the death of the righteous. The reason is that he said, let my last end be like his. Matthew Henry points out that this is a reference to the future state of God's people. It could be read, let my future estate be like his. Therefore, it's speaking about the destiny of the soul, the last end, the future state of your soul in eternity. I said by way of introduction that Balaam had a belief in a future state. He believed in a hereafter. He believed there was an eternity. He didn't believe in annihilationism. You see, if you ask the question, why would the death of the righteous be any more desirable than the death of the wicked if there was no eternity? Why would the death of the righteous be more desirable than the death of the wicked if there was no eternity, if death was just the end? If death was annihilation, the ceasing to exist in body and in soul, then there would be no need to request the death of the righteous. There would be no need to prepare for eternity. But you and I both know tonight that the Bible teaches that we have an immortal soul and that we have a soul that will live on forever. And the righteous soul, the saved soul, they will enter into that state of eternal bliss and happiness forever in heaven. Whenever Balaam was uh, making this request, let my last end be like his, that last end of the righteous is an eternal state of bliss and happiness. 
but for the unsaved soul, that last end is an eternity of torment in that place called hell. And that's why, that's why Balaam made the request that he made, because he knew there was a last end for the soul. He knew there was a future state. He knew there was an eternity. The prophecy of Isaiah, those early chapters, in Isaiah the chapter 3, let me just read to you the words of verses 10 and 11. Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. There's the contrast between the righteous and the wicked, between the saved and the unsaved. Say to the righteous, it shall be well, but woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill. You see, that's the reason. That's the reason why you must learn from Balaam and learn from his mistakes not to just make this a fleeting wish or a fanciful notion that somehow you will just end up in heaven. No, but rather you would sincerely and earnestly and genuinely seek the Lord. And you would repent of your sin and you would trust in the Savior's precious blood to cleanse away your sin. Oh, that you would be saved. Balaam, he said these words, let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. How did Balaam die? Numbers chapter 31 would tell us. Numbers chapter 31 and the verses 7 and 8. It says, And they warred against the Midianites as the Lord commanded Moses and they slew all the males and they slew the kings of Midian beside the rest of them that were slain namely Evi, Rechem and Sir and Hur and Reba five kings of Midian and then it says this Balaam also Balaam also the son of Beor they slew with the sword and it's not as if Balaam here just, just died in, in the battle, in the midst of the battle, as it were. No, he singled out. Whenever they were taking the five kings of Midian and they were going to slay them and put them to death, take Balaam too. Balaam was going to be put to the sword. Balaam would be slain. That, that's the man who said, let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. When you go over into the book of Deuteronomy in the chapter 4, Moses refers back to that time when those Midianitish kings were put to death and when Balaam was also slain. And he said in Deuteronomy 4 and the verse 3, your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peor, for all the men that followed Baal Peor, the Lord thy God hath destroyed them from among you. 
And so what happened there with Balaam at the end? It says, the Lord thy God hath destroyed them. That was the man who made this request and said, let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. We'll learn from Balaam tonight. Those seek the Lord with all of your heart and if you're not saved, that you would prepare earnestly tonight to meet the Lord. And that through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you would come to that settled confidence within your heart of knowing, knowing with assurance tonight that it is well. It is well with your soul. May we learn from this character in God's word this evening. Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. May God bless his word to each of our hearts.